Hello, I'm Wayne McGahee, host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on Locked On Podcast Network. For those of you that are returning listeners, I really appreciate your support and just the outpouring of support from the Florida State fan base and everybody who listens to this has been amazing, and I really appreciate it. If you're a new listener and don't know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State each of the last four seasons. I started off as an intern with the NoldDigest.com on the Scout Network, and I worked my way up to the publisher of that site, and then I got the job as the beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat in August of 2016, and I've been in that role ever since. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. Football, I'm at every home football game, away football game, bowl game, doesn't matter. If Florida State's playing, I'm there. I was in Louisville last weekend. I'll be in Miami this weekend. Uh, I also cover every practice, every time Willie Taggart speaks, every time a player speaks, every open practice, I'm there. So have a good idea of what's going on uh, around the football program. Baseball, I cover every home baseball game as well as any postseason baseball games. I was in Omaha for Florida State's run in the College World Series two years ago. For basketball, I cover any home basketball games and postseason basketball games. I was out in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run this past season. And then I also cover every major and minor recruiting event like Florida State's Saturday Night Live event that happened in July and the Junior Day events that are held in late February, early March. Jumping into this podcast, though, I, there's, there's a lot to talk about. We talked with defense coordinator Harlan Barnett and a couple of defensive players today before practice started. There was some uh, interesting things that happened during practice, and but before we get into either of those, big news on the Florida State offensive line. Derek Kelly returned to practice today in full pads. Uh, he didn't look like he was going through all the drills, but he did look like he was he, he was taking some contact. He was working on the sled and then uh, running through some contact. So that's a really good sign. Landon Dickerson was not at practice today for the second straight day, and Brady Scott had moved over to left tackle with Abdul Bello filling in at right tackle. Uh, Brady Scott had played left tackle earlier in the year when Florida State was still trying to figure out its offensive line, but had started the past two games at right tackle. With Landon Dickerson starting at left tackle last game, uh, Scott stayed at right tackle. And that combination, uh, the five that Florida State had, played fairly well. Um, it, but we, uh, <clears throat> Willie Tiger was asked about the status of Landon Dickerson and Derek Kelly for this weekend's game against Miami, and he said he's optimistic that Florida State will have both available. Now, whether both can play, that's another that's another story. You know, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. We don't get to see practice again for the rest of the week, so we're gonna have to wait till Saturday to find out if that's going to happen. Um, we'll obviously ask Willie Taggart tomorrow when we speak to him tomorrow uh, morning um, about the status of those two players after practice today, and we'll have to see how that goes. But. Uh, he, he said he was optimistic that Florida State will have both of those guys available for for the Miami game, which would be absolutely huge. Florida State's uh, weakest position so far this year has been has been left tackle. Uh, Dickerson filled in that role very well on on Saturday against Louisville. He was I mean he he played pretty he played pretty well. I mean there's no other way to describe it. He played pretty well when they paired him up next to Cole Minshew. The left side of the line was getting a lot of push, and uh, I think that's. Get having him in there over, yeah. Brady Scott played well at right tackle. Right, he he's playing well. He's a guy who's a redshirt freshman. He wasn't even supposed to be playing. He's not even supposed to be playing football right now. He he originally committed to South Carolina to be a pitcher and play baseball, 
but got the offer to play football from Florida State and jumped on it. So now he's here and he's Florida State's starting uh, right tackle or left tackle, depending on the situation. But you know, moving him over to left tackle means Abdul Bello would have to play, and Bello has not been very good so far this year. He's been better than Jawan Williams, who was still in a non-contact jersey on uh, on during Wednesday's practice. So getting getting Dickerson back would obviously be huge. It would allow Brady Scott to re- remain at right tackle where he's been comfortable, and then getting Derek Kelly back would uh, provide would be able to move Mike Arnold, who I think was Florida State's weakest offensive lineman um, against against Louisville and has, has not been very good overall so far this season. Getting him out and putting Derek Kelly in, if he's completely healthy, if he's not able to move, then obviously that's not going to work. But if, if he is healthy and he is able to play, putting him in over Mike Arnold will be a pretty big upgrade at that position. You know, Florida State <laughs> coming into the season – has not started the same offensive line group through five weeks of the season. It hasn't happened. They have five different offensive line starter, offensive line combinations in each of the five games, and they never got to start the offensive unit, the offensive line unit that they wanted to start in the preseason. Cole Minshew was out in the first game, and then Landon Dickerson went down, and Juwan Williams at left tackle didn't really work out, so Florida State's had to figure out a way to fill that role. So, you know, Florida State, the the ideal offensive line that they had starting the season will never, uh, I won't won't say will never, but will likely never see the light of day again because Juwan Williams hasn't been good, and if you're forcing him to start, uh, that's, Obviously, not an ideal situation for the Seminoles, but if if Florida State can get Landon Dickerson, Cole Minshew, Alec Everly, Derek Kelly, and Brady Scott uh, as the starting offensive lineman, with all all of them relatively healthy and able to play, that's Florida State's best offensive line at this point, and that we haven't seen that yet. You know, there's been constant movement, and Willie Taggart uh, Willie Taggart talked about how that movement has affected the offensive line, and the offensive linemen have have tried to downplay it, saying that they work with everybody. But it's it's very clear what happens. Like when you put Landon Dickerson next to Cole Minshew, things started to click. You know, when you when you had the left side of the line, Dickerson, Minshew, and Everly, things started to click over over on that left side. And then Brady Scott's been very good at right um, at right tackle. But a lot of the issues that Brady Scott's having is because Mike Arnold is at right guard. If Florida State can get Derek Kelly healthy enough to play in that right guard position or move Minshew over to help uh, to help Brady Scott out at right at right guard and have Derek Kelly at left guard, it's going to make this offensive line so much better. Uh, and that of course that all depends on how healthy Florida State uh, th- those guys are. If if Dickerson isn't able to play on that ankle or is only able to play at fifty percent, you know, it, it might not be worth it for him to play because it still might be a detriment to what Florida State has overall. Um, Abdul Bello is he he he, he struggles. Uh, he, he really struggles. He gets off balance. He, he's not he's not sound in his technique and it's when he when he was forced to play in at left tackle it was it was a big issue and putting him at right tackle next to Mike Arnold would be a major issue for the right side of the line um I would if if that happens and that you know, if Dickerson and Kelly are both unable to play and Florida State has to go with Arnold and uh 
Abdul Bello on the right side of the line, it's it's going to get ugly over there. I I have no confidence in their ability to get the job done against a Miami defense that has 60 tackle tackles for loss through the first five games. They lead the country by 12. The next closest team has 48 tackles for loss. They have 60. Now, granted, they haven't played very good teams, but still, Florida State's one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to allowing tackles for loss, mainly because of the offensive line issues and pairing Abdul Bello with... Uh, with Mike Arnold would be just a disaster to watch. It's that's, that's obviously not an ideal situation, but Florida state's going to have to figure it out. Um, we'll have to see if Derek Kelly and Landon Dickerson are both healthy. And, um, if they're able, if they're able to play, if they're able to play at a relatively healthy level, this could be, or this should be the best offensive line that Florida state has been able to put on the field so far this season. Um, but if it's not, the right side of the line is going to uh, is going to get picked apart. It's not, it's it's not going to be pretty. But that'll uh, that'll do it for this first segment. We'll get into what happened at practice in the next segment, and then we'll get into what defense coordinator Harlan Barnett said in the final segment of this Locked On Seminoles podcast. But before we get into before we get into that next segment. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in person to cheer on the Seminoles. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all capitals, no spaces, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into the second segment. And there was a lot of interesting things that happened during practice today that I wanted to talk about. Florida State ran null drills once again at the start of practice. And I was mainly focused on the linebackers in the secondary today. My partner, Kurt Weiler, was watching the, the defensive line. So I didn't get a, a very good look at what happened on the on the defensive line after the fireworks yesterday where you know, Wally Amy and, um, and Brady Scott went at it. But... It, things things were just as chippy with the with the linebackers and tight ends. Those two groups were going back and forth. Uh, Zaquandre White had a couple of nice reps, and there was a whole lot of pushing and shoving going on between that unit. And Zaquandre White was was in the middle of it all. Um, you know, he kept they kept going and pushing back. There were big plays on both sides. Um, Pop Upshur pancaked Leonard Warner during one of the reps and that started all the pushing and shoving and then in the final rep uh, Amari Gaynor I couldn't see who he was going up against because they have the players lined up on each side and it's you know sometimes it gets a little jumbled but whoever he was going up against got driven back like 10 yards and Gaynor was able to make the play on Amir Rasul it was a really nice job by him and he was clearly fired up after the play as were the rest of the defensive unit Um, you know it's there was a whole lot of energy. There was it, it was chippy, but it, there, there was a whole lot of energy on both sides of the ball. It, you know, every time somebody made a big play or a big block, you know, everybody you know on one side or the other was jumping over to to celebrate. I mean, like 
15 offensive players ran from the opposite side of the field to go and uh, celebrate with Ontario Wilson after he had a big block on one of the cornerbacks. I think it was Asante Samuel after he had a big block. I mean, everybody went over. Derek, uh, David Kelly was there. Uh, Willie Taggart was there. Everybody was, was celebrating with him. And then, but like 10 yards up the field, everyone was praising the, the defensive tackle. I couldn't see exactly who it was, but all the defensive players were over there praising, praising him. So it was, you know, it, it, null drills are a lot of fun. There's a lot of competitiveness and it's, there's there's a lot of energy in the Florida State practice right now. It's amazing what what a little bit of confidence has done for this team, um, as far as that goes. Because you know, two weeks ago after the Syracuse, after the Syracuse debacle, uh, practice was kind of dead, and there was there was really not that much energy. The energy's back. They were excited. They were they were having fun. Now practice was still going on. They were still going at it, and they were still coaching them up. But it, it there was a lot more energy in this practice, and that's exactly what you want to see from uh from Miami week or heading into Miami week. So with with Brady Scott's moving over to left tackle for the practice, he was on the opposite side, so he didn't get to go against Wally Amy again today. That was disappointing, but he had a he had a really nice rep where he just drove Xavier Peters off the ball. Um you know, Xavier Peters hasn't been very good at defensive end so far. He did have a much better rep at linebacker today where he uh, shot off uh off the tight end and went up to make a tackle. So that you know, we'll have to see if he continues to work at defensive end because it looks, you know, when he gets back there as a in in a rep at linebacker, he seems to be uh, much more at home when it comes to that. Uh, Cam Akers was taking part in the drill for the second time in the last two weeks. Remember, he hadn't taken a single rep when it comes to that uh, comes to null drills through the first four weeks of the season, but he he was taking reps again on on Wednesday. So that's you know they're trying to get him more involved. It was interesting that Akers was not working with the first team during one of the drills. They have this drill where they take in the wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, and quarterback all get lined up. They run a play, they go quickly, and then they have to get right back on the ball. It's all about getting the wide receivers lined up, moving them across the formation, moving them across the field, and getting everything done quickly. Florida State's trying to up the tempo, up the pace. And when that when that happened, it was Jacques Patrick working with the first team, not Cam Akers. Cam Akers came out with the second team, though it, it is uh, important to note that Akers was the first running back to take reps during the other drills that I saw. But I did think that that was interesting that Jacques Patrick, who does play a lot, I mean, that's, he, he does play a lot. He's earned his playing time. He's, he's running hard right now. Um, but he was working with the first team during that particular drill, whereas uh, Cam Akers was the first running back going with the offense during during the other drills. Um, talked about the offensive line and what it looked like. Uh, Cole Minshew, Alec Eberle, and Mike Arnold remain in the, in the starting interior of the offensive line. Uh, one thing that I saw that I just... Greg Fry was pretty much exasperated with, uh, with his offensive line, with his offensive lineman, um, there was one offensive lineman in particular. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to name names on that. But there was during one of the drills, they were talking. Uh, it was a run blocking drill, and Coach Fry just goes off. You know, not not really goes off. He wasn't yelling. He was teaching. Um, but he he was clearly unhappy about this. He was having to explain the difference between run blocking and pass blocking and where the arms are supposed to be. Um, 
the player had run through the drill with his arms extended. And Coach Fry was like, no, you, this is run blocking. What you're doing is you're supposed to get in tight, hold them close, and make sure that the bodies are in close because, one, they can't see the ball, and, two, it's much harder to get off the ball when that happens. Like, when, when a body's in close, they can't, they can't just, like, pull back and go off. So, you know, he went on to explain the pass blocking. You want your arms extended, you know, to keep them from being able to get inside you. But in run blocking, they want them in as tight as possible. And it, it was very clearly a situation where, you know, they'd gone over it before and this player just wasn't getting it or just it wasn't translating and they weren't understanding it. So that was, you know, that was something that was disappointing from today's practice. But uh, he did get it right. That player did get it right on the next drill uh, when they went through it. So maybe there's some progress there. But, yeah, that was uh, – it wasn't good. <laughs> that's that's the best way to to describe that. Um, Cyrus Fagan and DeKalen Brooks are are still working in the non-contact jerseys. The only person on offense working in a non-contact jersey was uh, Jawan Williams, like I mentioned earlier. And – I, like there's really nothing in, like nothing too interesting that happened on the defensive side of the ball today. Um, you know the uh, they've made it clear that they want to the defense wants to work on getting to the ball quicker, and it, in turn that'll lead to better fumble luck because Florida State has uh, I saw a stat the other day that said Florida State has had 13 fumbles and only recovered two of them. I think that was the number. Either way, even if it's even close to that, that's that's incredibly bad fumble luck. Florida State's trying to make their own luck a little bit here by getting more guys to the ball, more defenders to the ball, and giving themselves a better chance to get the ball, which uh, in theory makes sense, but it is also fumble luck. There's really nothing you can do on the play where DeKalen Brooks had the forced fumble and the ball literally bounced right up. I don't understand how a football bounces that way. I've only seen it happen one other time. Um, and that was the 2000, it was the 2006 Florida game where Florida, um, Florida ended up winning like 35 to seven at that game, but Florida state was trying to kick a field goal and the, uh, the field goal was blocked. And instead of having to reach down to go get the ball, the ball literally bounced right back up to the Florida special teams player who took off to the end zone and returned it for a touchdown. It was kind of like that. I mean, the ball like just bounced straight back up to him and he was able to corral it. I yeah, it was ridiculous, but they're uh, they're doing their best to to try and create their own luck when it comes to that by having more guys around the ball and hoping that that translates into more turnovers. In the final segment, we'll talk a little bit about what defense coordinator Harlem Barnett said today and uh, what some of the players had to say, including Miami's reference of the turnover purse. I know uh, I know a lot of Florida State fans aren't happy about the turnover backpack, but uh, you know. <laughs> They uh Miami the Miami players weren't uh, weren't very complimentary of it. Well, you know, Dontavious Jackson, who's been one of the biggest proponents of the turnover backpack and secure the bag, uh, didn't exactly fan the flames. But we'll, we'll get into that in the next segment. But before we do that, thanks for sticking with me as we head into the final segment. I really appreciate you guys sticking with me as we go through into the final segment of this Locked On Seminoles podcast. I really appreciate, again, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me. It really and truly means a lot. Um, Harlan Barnett talked about, you know, I, I opened up the the, uh, 
the press conference today asking him what happened against Louisville and why there were so many wide receivers just running wide open. Uh, and he said that it was assignment errors, um, that the players were just out of position, that they just weren't doing the right things. And he said that you know, they're basically going to simplify the defense. They're going to make it a they're going to make it where players get to act on their instincts that they get to just act and go out and play football. And that was the idea behind the defense, um, you know, earlier in the year when Barnett said that they were going to be as simple as possible and let guys just go play football. Apparently they have to simplify it even more. You know, he referenced lethal simplicity. So he said, they'll get back to just doing the basics of what they do and let everybody let their natural abilities come out and play and try not to complicate things. So, you know, that's, that's one way to look at it. Um, you know, Florida State, the there was a lot of miscommunication in the secondary between the secondary and the linebackers and the safeties and the cornerbacks and the safeties and the other safeties. There was just a lot of miscommunication on what they were supposed to be doing against Louisville, and it just didn't work out well. So they're going to go back to, you know, f- try maybe make things a little more simpler, try and find a success that way. And they're going to have to against a Miami wide receiver unit that's very, very good. Louisville's wide receivers are just at, are, are very, very good. And Miami's wide receivers are just as good as those guys. I mean, they're probably one of the two or three best wide receiver use, units in the, in the ACC along with Clemson. So, you know, it was... You know, he had a lot of questions to answer about, you know, all of the issues that Florida State had against Louisville. Yeah... He basically, you know, he gave the same answer over and over again, just dumbing it down and letting them play and do it the way that they've all always done it. And that's that's what they're going to do. They're going to go out. They're going to make it as simple as possible and let guys play football. And, you know, that's what he talked about doing earlier, but it apparently didn't happen. And we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see if if that works. But, you know, he, he talked about uh, <laughs> forcing so many fumbles and getting to the ball and, I asked him, you know, I had a question that I wanted answered uh, about Florida State not being able to get home on sacks. If if you go back and you watch the Louisville game, they were always a step or two slow to getting to Juwan Pass, and it le- and that in part led to a bunch of wide open receivers because they brought an extra guy. Uh, they disguised the blitz well, but they brought an extra guy, and that left a guy open, and that that's what happened. Florida State just wasn't getting home, and he said that. Florida State was uh, the defenders weren't taking good lines, which means that you know obviously the best distance or best way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. It's the fastest way, and he thought that some of the defenders were taking roundabout ways uh, to get to the quarterback, and they just need to get to him. Um, I think that there's there's definitely some of that. I definitely thought that there was some of that on on review of the game. I do think that one of the issues that Florida State had was they were hesitating. Instead of trying to go and get in the quarterback and disrupting the play, they hesitated. Uh, DeKalen Brooks did it a lot. Kyle Myers on the corner blitzes, uh, blitzes did it a lot, where they'd hesitate right before they did, uh, got to the quarterback, and it allowed that extra second where Juwan Pass was able to get the ball off. It's um, I don't know why they were doing it. Maybe they were concerned about him slipping away and didn't want to miss a chance to make the make the play. But even you know getting to him and forcing him out of that play is better than just not getting there on time because you're leaving um because you're leaving so many things open but I did think that, that was interesting he said that uh, they have to take better angles and that's something that not only the 
people blitzing need to do, but people need to, uh, the the guys in the secondary need to work on that. Cyrus Fagan um, didn't play after the first quarter, but he, he got beat on a deep route. That first deep route that Juwan passed through, it was a really nice ball by him, but it was Fagan who wasn't, you know, as a safety, didn't get deep enough and ended up trailing and took bad angle on it. So, you know, that's, that, that's basically what he had to say. He praised Nikosi Perry. Um, he also played, uh, praised big Marvin Wilson, who was, um, in my opinion, the best defensive player Florida state had in the game. Um, on on Saturday, but you know, followed closely by Dontavious Jackson. I thought Dontavious was very good as well. But Big Marv has just turned into an excellent football player. He's commanding double teams. He's beating double teams. I've talked about him multiple times over the past couple days. But you know, just his play against Louisville and his play as the season get goes on has been tremendous. And he's growing a lot. And he's finally being the you know the top ten overall player that Florida State landed when he was recruited. He's he was very, very good when it comes to that. Um, Dante, I mentioned the uh, turnover backpack and you know, Miami players calling it a turnover purse. Dontavious said he's not worried about it. That's their opinion. We got the bag because we like it. We're not worried about it. what anybody else has to say, so that's that. Willie Taggart was also asked about the turnover backpack against uh, against Miami and or, or, asked about the turnover uh, backpack and what the Miami players were saying. And he was like, yeah, um, and if what they said was bulletin board material, Willie Tiger said the exact right thing, that if you need more bulletin board material for the Florida State-Miami game, you're not doing it right. Um, and he also said, went on to say that, you know, the fans hate it on the backpack, but they don't care. The players like it. They like it. They're proud of it, and they're going to continue to use it. So if you had any uh, ideas the turnover backpack was going away, it's not. It's going to be here for at least the rest of the season. Uh, and that's just the way that's going to go. But Stanford Samuels III had a really funny moment during his uh, his meeting availability today. If if you've forgotten it, I'm not sure how you did, and if you did, go back and look up Stanford Samuels versus Roscoe Parrish. You know, we're coming up on the 15th anniversary of his, his father's hit on Roscoe Parrish that sent Parrish to the hospital with internal bleeding. It's one of the most iconic hits in Florida State history where he just leveled Roscoe Parrish. Um, but his, it was, his moment was, was quite funny. He said he was at the game when it happened, but he was sleeping in the stands somehow through all the rain. I mean, if you remember that game, it was pouring down rain. Miami scored on the next play, but it was pouring down rain. The field was sloppy. Um, and he said he, he didn't really realize that play until he was about 10 years old and he went on YouTube and found it for the first time. Uh, he's been seeing it ever since and it's pretty much stuck in his head now. So, you know, he also talked about his, you know, his play in the rivalry last year. He had that pick in the end zone, which was a great play. I mean, he, he's been around this rivalry for his entire life. And, you know, he just talked about how much he's enjoy, he enjoyed playing in that game, even though Florida State lost, and just what uh, what they were able to do or what he was able to do in that game and just how much trash talking there was, how physical the game was. He said it was everything that he thought it would be. So this, uh, this Florida State-Miami game is going to be rather interesting for the first time in a in a while, Florida State's a double-digit dog to the Hurricanes. It's you know they're coming in with no expectations, and there's there's a lot of questions about how Florida State's going to react in that type of environment with those 
you know, without those expectations. So we'll have to wait and see. But that's coming up at 3.30 p.m. on ABC on Saturday. I will be there, and I'll have all of the all of your updates from Tallahassee.com, and then I'll be back for the Locked On Seminoles podcast on Monday to review the game. But we still have two days before, or three days before we get into that game. we got two more podcasts to go. So I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. If you have and you've enjoyed them in the past, please make sure to like, subscribe, favorite, whatever it is on your favorite podcast site. So you uh, you get the updates when it uh, when the new one comes out. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to to listen. And once again, thank you for all the support that that I've gotten for this. I re- I really do appreciate it. But for the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I'm Wayne McGahey. Have a wonderful day.